It's a wrap. Simon and Wayne's Spiffing Movie Review. With your hosts, Simon Jones and Wayne Bolt. Hello! Hello! And welcome to It's a Wrap. Simon and Wayne's Spiffing Movie Review. And this is episode number seven, where we will have the men who stare at 2012 goats. Yes, we're back after a slight break, so apologies if you're a regular listener, but uh, from this point onwards we should be here fortnightly as expected. Yes, and in today's episode, we'll be looking at two movies. Um, seeing as we've been away for a while, we thought we'd have a look at The Men Who Stare at Goats and also the blockbuster 2012. Yes, double bill. Double bill indeed. Uh, we'll also have a, another quick visit to the trailer park and just a couple of tad bits of movie news. I don't know what tad a tad bits. bit is. <laughs> uh, yes, just a couple of tad bits. Tad bits. Right, right, so kicking off with The Men Who Stare at Goats. Yes, it's uh, an interesting film directed by Grant Hesloff and it is written by Peter Strawn based on the book by John Ronson. It stars George Clooney, Ewan McGregor, Kevin Spacey and Jeff Bridges. And Robert Patrick from Terminator 2. Looking quite large. Yes, his head has done a shatner. Mm. <laughs> uh, that sounds rather more unfortunate than <laughs> it does. Yes. When it's gone up with. Anyway, it, it, this film uh, sees Ewan McGregor playing a journalist, Bob Wilton, who is wanting to impress his ex-wife. Uh, who, by the way, is played by Rebecca Nader, who plays Charlotte in Lost, which is the first of the Lost connections to the film. The other one being Ann Arbor, which, of course, is where the Dharma Initiative's headquarters is. So um, it's very much a... It's all over my head, I'm afraid. Oh, there we go. I lost him, as it were. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, Bob Wilton goes to Kuwait to report from a, a war zone as a budding journalist he is. Whilst there, he runs into George Clooney's character, a Lynn Cassidy, uh, as in a man Lynn, not a lady Lynn. Um, who is, as it turns out, a psychic soldier, or Jedi, as they refer to him. Mm-hmm. Um, then the rest of the film, it pretty much becomes a buddy movie. With, buddy uh, movie style. Yeah, yeah, with Clooney and McGregor um, to- telling each other tales of um, the history of the Jedi um, and how it all sort of developed from yes. its beginnings to its middle to its decline yes it is quite difficult to summarise the plot because it doesn't really have one it's a collection of amusing anecdotes that piece the story together and you think it's adding up to something and then you get to the end and it stops and I got a bit confused about where it had gone really yeah there wasn't really much there probably was a story in there if you're into that sort of uh, trying to piece together weird psychicness maybe that's the whole point of the story maybe you only really got it if you did actually stare yes. at goats only George Clooney can understand it yeah that could be it the uh, the goat staring uh, refers to some of these psychic experiments they were doing where they were trying to stop the heartbeats of goats just by staring at them yeah, I think the point was to stop the heartbeats of enemy soldiers but because they couldn't practice on humans, they were doing it for goats. It wasn't that the military actually wanted to, to, to kill goats, because that would be useless. But they had a lot of goats in there, though. I, I thought there was a goat overrun Well, maybe if, in America. Uh, if the enemy were riding into battle on goats, yeah. that would be useful then, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, there are many armies well-known for riding into battle with goats, of course. Yep, indeed, especially, um, uh, especially out there. Out there. Yes. So, yeah... Uh, Good cast. Yeah, yeah good, cast. good cast. They all seem to be enjoying themselves, which yes. I think was... It seemed to be that sort of let's all have a bit of a laugh yeah, kind of it film. it is one of those films. It's very self-consciously quirky. Uh, the film starts with this guy doing crazy face expressions in this extreme close-up, and then he runs into a wall. Um, it's not really explained. It just happens. I think he's trying to run through the wall. That's the whole point. Yeah, That's part yeah, of his being a Jedi. At the end, but um, the, it, the whole film is a bit obscure 
yeah. and kind of revels in its own strangeness. Yeah. The, the running joke, of course, through the film was George Clooney's character telling Ewan McGregor's character all about what it's like to be a Jedi. The Jedi being these super soldiers that the military have trained and their nickname is Jedi. Jedi. Uh, so that was quite a funny running joke. There's a couple of good set pieces in it. The strange predator weapon they had. Um, yeah. that sort of uh, a few violent action sequence gags which were amusing. Yeah. involving George Clooney and his crazy eyes but, yeah. but the main gag did seem to be that Ewan McGregor's character didn't know what the Jedi were yeah. uh, which is curious because I don't think I've ever seen a film where the entire gag throughout the entire film is based solely on the fact that that particular bloke was cast in that character well, uh, if someone else was playing that character would they still it, it wouldn't have worked but, <laughs> but it didn't get but I found it funny every time but uh, I'm a bit of a Star Wars nut um, good appearances by Jeff Bridges who was playing Bill Django uh, who was the original uh, psychic soldier um, and also uh, a fine appearance by Kevin Spacey yeah we don't see him much in films these days he's too busy with his theatre theatre yes. Yes. yes but yeah good to see him yeah. again but, uh, uh, as Simon's already said overall it's a good film but more memorable for lots of good bits as yeah. opposed to being a really good it's complete. an individual scenes film if you bought it on DVD you could show individual scenes to your mates and they'd think it was great but when you watch the entire thing it doesn't quite hold together yeah. um, I don't dislike it but I don't really like it. I'm, I'm kind of completely emotionless about the film. Which sounds really bad, but it's not. It's just that... that is, it's good. It's, you know, so, lots of good yeah. bits, but as a... Uh, yeah, it's just one of those sort of films. Good soundtrack as well, um, which is very good. A um, little bit, couple of bits of movie news before we go to the yeah. trailer park. Um, something I find very interesting, which will be of, um, of relevance to our forthcoming review, is that Roland Emmerich is in preliminary talks to do Independence Day 2 and 3. Yes. See, this is a problem, because the kind of short tagline name for Independence Day was ID4. Mm. So what are they going to do now? Uh, ID4 42. 42. Uh, yeah, ID42. Uh, so it'll be all about life, the universe and everything. Maybe that's where it's going from the beginning. Yeah. Could be. Could be. But you see, I read something that said that Emmerich wouldn't do Independence Day 2 unless he got Will Smith. He said, without Will Smith, there's no point doing another Independence Day movie. And is Will Smith going to do that? I don't know. And this is actually something we'll come on to later uh, with having Will Smith-type characters in yes. things. Yes. Um, Sometimes you do need a Will Smith. Yes. Also, I was uh, quite pleased to see that Warner Brothers are possibly going to be making a Yogi Bear feature uh, <laughs> using Dan Aykroyd as Yogi. In a suit? I think it's going to be an animation. Yeah, that's a shame. But Dan Aykroyd in a Yogi Bear suit yeah. does sound like should quite just, a funny film. Should be really low budget suit. Yeah. Quite clearly just Dan yeah. Aykroyd in yeah. a fluffy teddy yeah. bear suit. Yeah. And I wonder who's going to be Boo Boo. Mm. Indeed. Okay. Uh, my final little um, uh, bit of news is that Guillermo del Toro mm. uh, has revealed he will be making a cameo in The Hobbit. Uh, uh, no one knows as what. No. Yeah. So not to wait to yes. see if we can see him probably a hobbit uh, I suspect so or a dwarf he's got, he's got the right look yeah yes uh, main bit of news that I noticed today I'm not sure you can count this as news but it's probably bad news is apparently Leona Lewis who apparently is a pop singer that won one of these reality shows Hex here Factor. in the UK yes uh, she will be singing the main theme song for Avatar yes I just left some silence there so that sinks in this supposedly kick-ass return to the science fiction genre for James Cameron has Leona Lewis singing the main song. Uh, and this is a collaboration with James Horner, who's doing the score. And this might ring a few bells, because this is what happened with Celine Dion and Titanic. Oh, so, no. yeah, we might be back in for that kind of <sighs> debacle. 
but uh, you know special effects would be good yeah well yeah. thanks for that Simon yeah sorry to bring it, bring it down there. That's, you know, unfortunate but true so trailer park time trailer park time yes once again we've picked I think four movies from the Apple trailer store the latest four that are on there uh, to see what's coming to the cinema near you soon so first trailer is something called Serious Moonlight which I'd not heard of no neither have I and uh, it's not really a film I particularly want to hear of ever again from the looks of the trailer yeah it's chick flick type film yeah Meg Ryan blah 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 <laughs> Meg Ryan with her strange face mm, but there is quite a use of gaffer tape in it which has yes. got to be a good thing yes but yes Meg Ryan uh, and her ex-husband or yeah. something gets caught in some weird uh, love, triangle love triangle thing she ties him up to try and convince him that she he should love her again and it's all a bit convoluted and it, it first it looked like it might be quite funny but then it looked like it got really serious and it really can't be bothered with that but it does mark the return of Justin Long who you will all know of course from Sequest DSV and Drag Me to Hell but he wasn't in Dungeons and Dragons because that was Justin Whalen who played Jimmy in Lurks and Clark uh, even did your research on that one that yes <laughs> yes indeed so yeah I was quite excited to see him back in it because we did like him in Drag Me to Hell yes Yes, oh, it was him. Yes. Oh, him. Oh, got you. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, I think uh, yeah. that, that's just how dull I found the trailer. Yeah, I just wish <laughs> even though you told me to look at first time he appeared, I was like, I recognise that guy. Isn't he the guy from Dungeons and Dragons? And then realised, no, 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 he isn't. He's the other guy who looks exactly the same. Same. Anyway, yes. serious Moonlight, Simon. Uh, On the Gertie scale, yeah, ambivalent face would be a sad face, but Justin Long's in it, so who knows? Oh, I'm going to go for sad face. I really have no interest in that film whatsoever. Even the Long Factor can't save it for you the long factor the just no. long factor no ah, shame ok moving on Green Zone it's a film um, by the director of Bourne mm. from the writer of Bourne yes. starring the actor who played Bourne but Playing not Bourne uh, but not Bourne yes, Bourne it's, not Bourne it's not official did, mm. they, run, did they lose the rights I don't know. Mm. It's, it just seems to be like Bourne's in the army. Yeah, it's it, like Bourne goes to war. Yeah, nonetheless, that shouldn't put you off. I'm quite a big fan of the Bourne trilogy of films, mm-hmm. and I'm just a bit confused as to why it's not a Bourne movie. I don't know why. Yes. Yeah, and and it doesn't help that Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Uh, Matt Damon. Yeah, uh, he's one of those like some actors. Every role they're in, they transform themselves. So if, you know, not, you don't necessarily recognise them at first, uh, and every role they do feels completely fresh it doesn't feel like that actor and then there's some actors that don't do that like Arnold Schwarzenegger and like Tom Cruise generally is always Tom Cruise and Matt Damon Matt Damon although he's a good actor he seems to be falling into that pattern a little bit because Mm. he always looks exactly the same he's got the same haircut and the same general look it runs the risk of the Ross from Friends factor because every film or TV series he tried to do that wasn't Friends there's strange rumbling in the background. So yeah, it's like a train might hit our studio at any. Maybe that or a plane. Yes, maybe it's uh, Matt Eamon uh, or Run Denver. Green Zone. Um, uh, anyway, uh, well, it looks good. It looks but good. At the same time, I couldn't tell was it an action film or a thriller or a political drama or what. I get the feeling the trailer might be making it look like more of an action film than it actually is. That's my prediction. Uh, and it's just part of the trailer coming across now by the sounds of it um, well I, I, I'm hoping it's going to be very much an, it's the next Bourne film the Bourne films are good I like the Bond films aren't they you basically um, you like, love watching them because it's the same old same old in this case it looks like um, not Bourne is in the army um, and there's some shenanigans with the CIA or something yeah, which yeah. it, did look, it looked like it had a bit more intrigue and yep. it looked like Paul Greengrass director had maybe toned down some of his crazy handheld camera work which pissed me off a bit in the Bourne films mm. uh, so yeah smiley face for me yeah, yeah smiley face for me looks, as well looks interesting one, one to see 
then we have Uncertainty. Aptly titled. Yes, I'm quite uncertain what this film is about. Any ideas? It, it looked like some sort of two-faced and Batman getting involved in the bizarre romantic drama <laughs> uh, where he stumbles into the plot from Phone Booth or Phone Box or whatever yes, it's called. But mixed in with Sliding Doors, I think. Yeah. It looked like it maybe had this kind of split... Oh, you reckon that was going yeah, on? Yeah, split reality thing. I'm so on one flip of the coin, they go and live in Brooklyn. The other one, they live in Manhattan. And in one, they get pregnant. And, hey, and So the it's one, like three or four films all put together. Yeah, it looked very strange. I, I just And was it just me? Or at the start, you see uh, them flip the coin. And it says something like, but what if the flip of a coin had two possible outcomes? That's what it does. So. Yeah, sure, that's the point of it. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe I misread something. But maybe coins like. in America have more than one face. Could be. Could be. Could be on this side, I suppose. Mm. However, it did have George, uh, not Jordan, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt, tricky name to say, um, who's really good. He was in a film called Brick, uh, which was like a film noir set in a school kind of thing, which worked a lot better than it might have. Uh, I think he was also in Third Rock from the Sun back in the day as oh. a kid. Oh. But he is actually turned into a really good actor. So that's kind of the one thing that kept my interest so if he's, yeah. done, if he's done it he might be interested in it for a good reason That's it looked it. like the kind of film that you can't make a trailer for to be honest yeah well I'm going with ambivalent face of that one because yeah. I just I didn't care enough either way maybe another trailer down the line will um, will pique my interest yeah I'm going to go for um, a confused face which is a new one but really I've got no idea oh, fair enough then and lastly in the trailer park today Prince of Persia yes the latest Joey Bruckheimer film uh, Looks like it's filling in whilst they decide what to do with, with parts of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. It's basically parts of the Caribbean set in a different part of the world. Yeah. It's a swords and sandals pick. Yes. Now, have you played any of the computer games? The Prince of Persia computer yes. games? No, I haven't. No, right. Well, back in. When, when was the first one? Was it late 80s or early 90s? Anyway, mm. it was a while back. And that was a bit of a, a, a classic for introducing a whole new finesse to animation and then the new one Santa Time came along in the early 2000s and were really really good um, and that's what this new film's based upon and it looks like they've captured the look from the games pretty well but beyond that um, I'm a little suspicious of it I don't know if the mic picked that up but that's a cat just walked in yeah, a cat just we're walked not in our usual recording studio yeah, it's all um, kind of animals and wild things and, and airplanes and stuff going over yeah. we're currently um, in the studio where the latest series of Squadron Leader Jack Steel and the Starblade is being recorded and yes. put together coming so, soon coming. to iTunes and other yep. delivery Blatant, services yeah. Yeah. anyway enough blatant plugging yes um, um, so Persia effects look interesting it looks fun but it looks like the effects will probably take over the climax and make it really boring and it tends to happen in that kind of film yeah. like the parts ones yeah, yeah. well yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that with it being a, a different um, story uh, and a different um, tie-in to some sort of computer game or or theme park ride that it might have a little bit more fun about it in the first one as opposed to what was happening with Pirates which was it going up its own bottom yes, so hopefully a little yeah. bit of a reboot just the fact it's in a new location might mm. give it enough interest just to see this new yep. world unfold anyway that look pretty good smiley face for me because I reckon it could be fun yeah 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 I guess I'll go for a smiley face too excellent right Main review, 2012. Yes. Disappointingly, not the follow-up to 2001 and no, 2010. No, disappointing. We were, I was pretty shocked to find that out. Mm. Yeah. Now, we will just um, warn you that at some point during this review, we will be discussing the end of the film yes. and, and the plot leading up to it. Here. So there'll be a few spoilers turning up. So before we do that, we'll just give you our non-spoiler version of the film. Awesome visual effects. 
Okay, now moving on <laughs> to the spoiler version. So if you don't want to hear what's happened and you want to wait for yourself, although to be honest, you can pretty much guess what's going on yeah. and you could actually even be- write a better story now yeah. that you did it yourself. Yeah. Anyway, so for those of you who want to stay spoiler-free, goodbye! Yes. Also, one, one note, before you go see this oh. film, if you've not seen it yet, uh, write down a list of all the things you think are going to get destroyed and then as they do, tick them off and see how much you score. And if you get a four or five of them, don't be afraid to stand up and shout, BINGO! Yes, indeed. So, uh, summary, Wayne. Yes, it's a Roland Emmerich film starring John Cusack, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and I will be the last time I pronounce it that way. It's going to be one of those names where it keeps changing over time. Uh, Woody Harson and Danny Glover, amongst uh, others. It wasn't really that much of a stellar cast, was it? Not like you normally get any sort of things. No. Anyway, it's an end-of-the-world epic um, based loosely on some predictions by Mayan astronomers from the uh, olden days. Yes, although that plot poem is pretty it's, actually, uh, yeah. referenced. Um, I, it, yeah, there's just no relevance to it at all. I can't. I remember just cashing in, obviously, on some hair-brained um, prophecy. Well, at least it was hair-brained, anyway. Anyway, it's foretold that in 2012, there will be an alignment of the planets that will cause an extraordinary solar activity that in turn microwaves the Earth. Is that and true? Well, they reckon that there's going to be an alignment. Yeah. But as to if it's going to destroy the Earth and microwave the Earth's core, it's a totally different matter. Well, at least we know what to do now. Yeah, we do. Um, anyway, uh, scientists fortunately discover what's going on. In 2009, they discovered this, so they've had three years to um, sort out what That's they're going to now. do. It is, it is indeed. And are able to forewarn some of the governments of the world. I think in the end there was only about 40 of the countries mm. who decided to do stuff. Um, and this allows them to build some big ships, or arcs, as they chose to uh, call them. Yeah, which a select few can escape in. Yes. And then the film follows the millions destruction of, of the world <laughs> and billions of people dying. Anyway, as per usual, these films tend to have a human story. And in this case... It's following John Cusack as he struggles to save one. He's obviously playing the role. It's not following John Cusack. It's following John Cusack's character as he struggles to save his ex-wife and kids um, from being swallowed up by the earth. Yeah, that'd be good though if it actually was John Cusack. <laughs> John been Cusack. A, nice what to, would John Cusack do in, in this, this situation? That'd been probably much better. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, along the way, we meet an assortment of various cliches. Uh, sorry, I mean characters, uh, including the evil ex. Russian no Russian ex boxer oligarch. Um, he was basically there to be evil. Yeah, and make um, good use of the yeah. speakers. Woody Harson uh, played a slightly uh, jobby disc jockey who knew the truth and is broadcasting all of it. Uh, also, we have the new husband of uh, Cusack's character's ex-wife, and also the president of the United States of America. And other various heads of state. Yes, and the Queen even makes a yes, appearance. Does. Not the real queen. She didn't so, get a cameo. No. Well, you never know. That might be. Yeah, uncredited. So, anyway, that, that's the basic premise. Um, you're probably not able to fill in the uh, the rest of the plot yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, essentially, it's about things blowing up a lot and falling to pieces and disintegrating. And it does all that really well, uh, as you'd probably expect, because it's Roland Emmerich. He's mm. had quite a bit of practice. This is basically him coming back to his previous films and yeah. remaking them using new technology and going no I can do more, yeah, I, more quite, explosions I quite happy to say there's at least one and a half hours so's worth of good film there yeah it's yeah. just it a shame awesome sequences. <laughs> it's just um, a shame the film goes on for two hours 40 minutes yes indeed um, should we talk about the good stuff first okay yes why it won't, won't take too long um, <laughs> so the Yellowstone explosion 
That yes, was... Yellowstone, of course, is well known to be one of these uh, super volcanoes just waiting to erupt. Yes, and the eruption was amazing. I thought that was fantastic. That was one of the most awesome things I've seen in the cinema this year. I thought when it went. Yeah, it was, it was already cool. Yeah, um, various other destruction effects were also very cool, yeah, very cool. large scale. Yeah, it was good to see Las Vegas being destroyed because I'm not very keen on Las Vegas. I went there earlier in the year and thought it was a bit filthy. Really? In what way filthy? Every, they had in every way filthy. Oh, okay. <laughs> they specialise in all manner of filth. <laughs> ah, excellent. Yeah, so that was good. And I think I even saw the hotel I stayed at get uh, wiped out. So that was cool. And was that pleasing for it you? It was. Yes. Um, Bits of Washington, well, in fact, I'll say bits, all of Washington uh, gets destroyed. Yeah, uh, the White yeah. House in... Actually, this is where it starts going a bit over the top with the uh, USS John Kennedy, which yes. is a, a huge aircraft carrier, um, crashing down onto the White House. And it is a slightly um, pointless sequence because the president's still there, but he's kind of out of the story at that point. Yeah. But yeah, they have to go back just to show him getting killed so they could do this ridiculous special yeah. effect. And the film keeps doing that because we get to meet the dad of one character and we see him get killed but we also because of that meet his best friend and he gets killed and then because of that we meet his best friend's son and we see them get killed too and it, it gets so bizarrely obscure as to the people we're seeing that you care not that much about the main characters <laughs> and uh, yet it spends so much time on these bizarre uh, tiny characters the only, only character I really cared about in the whole film was Woody Harrelson Nutjob who was a bit of a bit of a laugh yes. well, it, Woody Harrelson and Chiwetel Ejiofor well he was very good um but I, I didn't really sort of care too much about him. I think he was one of the stronger characters. Well, but I suppose in a way he was never actually in danger, was he? No. But in terms of caring about the situations in the film, generally I only really cared when Chiwetel Ejiofor was on screen because he's the kind of actor that can take whatever dialogue you throw at him and he'll do something with it that yeah. actually works. He's a Christopher Lee and a Ian McDermott type actor who can just do anything with anything you know Evil. yes by the way the way I'm pronouncing his name don't. it's not out of disrespect it's actually just because I don't know how to say it because he's awesome we've, we've got it written down on paper Chai Wetelajafor or yes. Chitwalijafor or yes. any uh, pick your own maybe someone can write in and tell us how to say his name maybe he might if he listens yeah that'd be good yeah um, yeah so I found it took a long while for the film to get going the first 40 minutes or so hmm. um, it just it was it was all build up, I and mean, yes, you do need a little bit of build up to uh, what's going on. But usually in these huge disaster movies, you get a disaster right at the outset, or you get like a big Some sort of meteorite or, or something, spaceship going over the moon, and, um, and, and all we had was a bit of hot water in a, in a well, yeah. and it just took a long while to get going. And you really just watching the film just to see things get destroyed and blown up, and they, they probably could have skipped into it a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, that's just that's just my opinion on that. Um, I also didn't find the film it lacked a light heartedness about it most yeah. of his disaster especially the recent ones um, like Independence Day and um, the um, Armageddon they they all at least have a bit of humour running through yeah, them yeah you've always got a few quirky characters haven't you yeah and Even you sort of follow them and then you do care when they die mm-hmm. yeah you've got to have that uh, a mixture of characters for different tones I think mm-hmm. um, so in Independence Day is probably the best example really because you've got Jeff Goldblum's kind of deadpan delivery and then you got Will Smith being incredibly over the top all the way through and the blend of the two works really nicely yes whereas in 2012 all the main characters are kind of the same character because you've got John Cusack's dad then you've got uh, the other guy Gordon who is the sort of stepdad of his kids yeah they're, he's, they're he's a plastic surgeon who specialises in breasts yes a bit of a random plot point there but essentially they're the same character because they're both decent 
dads looking after the kids. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, well, these are the two main male leads, and they're kind of identical. Yeah. So there's no counterpoint going yeah. on there. And, and as good as a, an actor John Cusack is, I just didn't find the character he was playing, just, it just didn't... You didn't really want to care about it too much. No. Think, oh, well, here he goes again. Oh, yeah. now he's on a plane. Um, flying twixt skyscrapers, which are collapsing as California is sinking into yeah, the Pacific. Did, did you notice? I've got a bit of a theory about that. Because every single destruction sequence in the film basically happened just after John Cusack got there. Mm, JC. So I think, John Cusack. Yeah. JC. Uh, interesting. End of days. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, maybe he was causing it. But it certainly seemed to be. There was a mm. wake of destruction in his yes, wake. Indeed, yes. Um, but a couple of characters were treated incredibly badly. Well, actually, let's, let's, I'm going to say three characters. There's Woody Harrelson's character, who could have provided the kind of Will Smith-style comic relief, crazy character, who... Why didn't he go along with them? They killed him off almost as soon as they introduced yes. him. Nothing really happened. And yet, he'd been great fun to have along for the ride. Yeah. He'd have lightened things up a bit and, you know... Oh, it would have made, made it just a little bit yeah. of a... Of a then we got the uh, Russian pilot, young Russian pilot guy. Yes, yeah, so the Russian pilot guy who um, was working for the Russian oligarch, who turned, the pilot turned out to be quite a nice chap. Yeah, does this amazingly heroic plane landing, which enables everyone else to survive. And it's a really exciting sequence. And he lands the plane, and it's all great. And you're like, yeah, he survived as well. And you he's quite a charismatic actor, so you think, oh, he's going to be in the rest of the film, he's going to be good. And then the plane falls off the cliff, and he dies in a horrible way. And it's not in. It doesn't. You don't feel upset by it. You just feel a bit annoyed because you're like, oh, I quite like yeah. that character. I want him back. Cause he's more interesting yep. than these other ones. Um, and, and then the worst of all is the, the stepdad character, Gordon. Gordon, who right near the end of the film just gets mashed up in some gears. He just gets ripped to shreds. Although it's kind of off screen, so you're not really sure what actually happened. But he just dies completely unceremoniously. He doesn't get heroic send off. He doesn't get to save the kids or no. help people well, or especially, especially seeing as he was the one who was responsible for the whole family escaping yeah. anyway. He yeah. all went uh, through. Because uh, just to put a bit, um, give you a bit of background to it, um, when California was falling into the sea, John Cusack. Um, went to his family's house, uh, picked them up in his limo he was driving, because uh, he was a limo driver for the Russian mm. oligarch, so he just happened to have a limo, and raced to an airport. And from that point on, John Cusack is pretty useless. Yeah, he <laughs> just sort of sits there and goes, oh, should we get in this plane, leaving Gordon to do all the flying? And he's only had a couple of hours of flying lessons, so, you know, he... Yeah, he does pretty well. Yeah, he's pretty much the hero, but then get a hero's send-off. It's almost like, oh, I finished with him, now that's it. Yeah, this is the thing Because about- uh, I think the reason why they did it is because in Roland Emmerich's mind, the happy ending was for the family John Cusack and, to be back uh, together and, yeah to get back together yeah, but the problem with that that only works if they get back together in a legitimate honest way yeah. and then get back together because poor Gordon got mashed up in the machine mm. that's not a happy ending it's not at all he was quite a nice character as well yeah. and he didn't deserve that so it doesn't work um, this kind of film which is really formulaic and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way because it's a really fun formula but it has to get the formula right and I felt yeah. that when it got to the ending it got the formula completely wrong it dropped the ball on this one yeah and all the characters kind of ended up in the wrong places and that's just really unsatisfying yep. as a viewer I've actually got a theory about Roland Emmerich films okay um, there's this strange phenomenon that runs through pretty much all his films which is the point at which they go a bit bad okay it's like his own personal jump the shark nuke the fridge okay uh, and it's, it's basically when the animal appears in the film and this happens in lots of his films so you look at Stargate and the build up for the, going through the Stargate it's really exciting it's great it's got this kind of real Indiana Jones kind of feel they go through the Stargate encounter this giant cow thing and from that point on the film's rubbish okay and it's just it becomes juvenile and ridiculous 
Uh, you've got Independence Day, which has got obviously the classic dog running through the tunnel, giant explosion, and it jumps out the way and somehow doesn't get incinerated, uh, which is really irritating because it would have been great fun to see the dog explode. And from that point on, the film goes from being this really exciting sci-fi thriller to quite fun, but a bit ridiculous, yeah, cheesy film. Still a laugh, but you know it's not on the same calibre. Uh, day after tomorrow, you've got the CG wolves that appear halfway through. And again, it goes from being this kind of taut, eco-thrillery thing to just being a bit dull and kind of just finds its way to the ending and stops kind of thing. And then... In this one, you've got another stupid dog. And it is a stupid little stupid dog. Yeah, at least the dog in Independence Day was like a proper dog. Yeah, this is just one of these toy dogs, yeah. uh, which belong to uh, the Russian oligarch's girlfriend, who was yet another pointless death in the film. Yeah, killed her off needlessly um, in a horrible uh, way. Yeah, but she saved the dog, but then she drowned. Yeah, and she, well, she saved the dog and the kid, and then drowned, and, yeah. and anyway, no one even remembered her. It's no, just really annoying. It's just really annoying. So, yeah. Um, well, to give, to give it some good points though uh, the special effects were quite cracking yes. uh, one of the things I do like about the Roland Emmerich films is when there is lots of destruction happening you can normally see little details in it such as uh, uh, humans falling out of cars or out of windows yeah. you see these bodies dropping and getting uh, hit out of windows by cars yeah and yeah. That's, that's really good and also the, the effects are really easy to watch uh, if you ever listened to our Transformers uh, review a while back uh, one of the big complaints I had about that film was there was just too much going on in all the effect shots. Like you just really couldn't see what was happening. Whereas at least with this one, you, you get a sense of you can actually see all these little details. Yeah, and it's not been wasted um, CGI. Well, I reckon Roland Emmerich is actually probably a very underrated filmmaker in terms of everything except picking or writing his scripts. Uh, in terms of the construction of the film, I think he does it really well. I mean, on a technical level, 2012's fantastic, and it's actually. I'm going to sound a bit silly saying this, but in some places it's actually quite artfully done in the way he constructs his action sequences and sets up his characters and this kind of thing. The only problem is that the the script foundation is just a bit broken or really flimsy. Yeah, I can't help but think that if someone gave him a really fantastic action or disaster movie script, like some of the old classic ones from the seventies, you know, some of the some, something with real characters and good actors and uh, a plot that made sense. I think he'd do something amazing. Is he it? is he suffering from the same sort of syndrome as I know? Let's say uh, J.K. Rowling suffers from with Harry Potter, where um, people are too scared to edit them, are too well, scared to say no. Maybe because the, 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 this twenty twelve was so close to being a really cracking film up there with, with like Independence Day and Armageddon, but it just seemed to just go on too long, and there was no one pulling the reins to say, "Look, it's just a bit too much." I say. Mm. Over two and a half hours to a film, yeah. where what's well, the thing? Because you could cut out the Vatican sequence. I mean, they're all individually fun sequences, but they just added so much to the film. So cut out the Vatican, cut out the whole Washington DC bit, uh, cut out the bit in India. Yeah. I think it was. So just change yeah. the end slightly. You could easily have amended it at the end. So a couple of the characters which died fairly needlessly, if they been left didn't, to yeah, didn't get die together, or at least had a heroic ending. Yeah, yeah. Or, or we could have a couple of the characters could have got together, so they could have their own happy ending. As yeah. one family gets together, and have a couple could have done. It would have been slightly more uplifting. Yeah. Do you know my theory though? I've got, oh. I've got a lot of theories about this film. Mm. I reckon the bit where Gordon dies and John Cusack's scrabbling trying to rescue him. Okay, and then he just sort of dies in a crap way. The film's a lot better if you think about the fact that maybe John Cusack's character deliberately let him fall. Then it becomes a much more interesting film. Much darker. Yeah. Much darker. Yeah. Anyway, so I think that pretty much uh, wraps mm. it up. So yeah. in summary, 
an hour and a half of really good film the other hour and ten minutes not so good and sort of lets it down yeah, yeah and it's, it's only worth seeing at the cinema you want to see it on the biggest screen you can find and it is worth it for that because visually it's incredible but the main thing to remember is about two thirds of the way through there's a bit where a dog walks along a little pipe to get to safety at that point leave the cinema because it's all downhill from there when the dog walks on the pipe that is your yes, cue to exit your cue to leave until then it's quite entertaining Anyway, so that's it. So we'll be back hopefully in a couple of weeks um, as um, we get uh, back into the uh, swing of things and are hopefully slightly less busy. Um, but until then, if you want to get in contact with us, there's a number of ways. Uh, you can always, of course, uh, go to our website, which is spiffingreview.com. And we also have a Twitter feed you can follow, which is spiffingreview. And if you want to email us, you can do so at simonandwayne at spiffingreview.com. Yes. So please do get in touch. Let us know what you think. Let us know if any films or trailers. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.